Hey, where you at, baby? Spud here. I've met a lot of people, and I've played some, too. And there's one thing I know. People like to talk. <laughs> it's the Spudcast. That's where you at. Hey, where you at, baby? How y'all making? Hey, thanks for joining me here on the Spudcast podcast, talking out my ask today with Joe Responti, attorney at law. He does criminal law. There's not a, I mean, there's several, but I don't really know too many criminal lawyers. And what spawned the conversation, there's a couple of murders that happened in town. And so we're going to talk about a murder trial. What, what kind of steps and processes you go through? Because, uh, frankly, if it ain't Perry Mason or Matlock, I don't know how it works. So Joe Responti talking about murder trials here on the Spudcast right after this. Spud here. On Friday, two friends told me they had COVID. Monday evening, I started feeling punky. Tuesday morning at 6.30, I was at Rapid Urgent Care getting tested, and by 7 o'clock, I was quarantined. Don't fool around. If you have any symptoms, let the professionals at Rapid Urgent Care diagnose your condition. They've got you covered with eight clinics from Baton Rouge to Bogalusa, from Metairie to Mandeville. You can even visit a doctor online. Mask up and get yourself and your loved ones tested at Rapid Urgent Care. Go to rapidurgentcare.com to find the clinic nearest you. Bud here, do your breakers keep breaking? Do you see a spark when you plug in your hair dryer? If you do, I want you to remember one thing, 947-3392. That's Eugene Lawrence's number at E1 Electric. Let's face it, you don't know nothing about electricity, but Eugene does. A licensed and insured electrical contractor, over 25 years experience, him and his crew can do anything for you, from hanging a ceiling fan to rewiring an apartment complex. So before you hear this, you better hear this. Thanks for calling E1 Electric. How can we help you? E1 Electric, 504-947-3392. Does the sound of thunder strike fear in your home? There's only one sure way to fix a flooding problem. Home Team Elevation. End the worry. Stop insurance rate hikes. Get your flooding problem fixed now with the Home Team Advantage. Experienced, hands-on, local owners. You want design choices? On the Home Team, you're the MVP. So don't wait. Elevate with Home Team Elevation because the flood stops here. Get your free quote at 3011222. 011222 or go to hometeamelevation.com. Okay, so we're talking to uh, Joe Responti, attorney at law, who practices a lot of stuff. But you know, Joe, you're, I mean, I think you and Robert Jenkins are the only two lawyers that I know who regularly practice criminal law, which is one of the reasons I call you because I don't know. God, I haven't spoken to Robert Jenkins in forever. Yeah, we real regular with that. We practice a lot of criminal law. Right? Yeah. Yes, sir. Well, there ain't that many. I mean, most of the lawyers that I know are generally, you know, um, um, car wrecks and hurt on the job and things like that. I mean, there's there's civil suits and there's a lot of what is what 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 takes up the majority of a court's time? Is it mostly civil litigation or is that much criminal? Well. Or- you one well, or the other, or what? I thought you were talking about me because I do I do car wreck cases too. But anyway, I know. Yeah, yeah. No, what takes up? Okay, in most parishes, okay. Let me just in in Orleans Parish, you have a criminal district court, so 100 percent of the time yeah. they do criminal there, and in civil district, 100 percent of the time they do civil there. In other parishes, courts um, do both, and judges have what they call we have in criminal week, and we're having civil week, mm-hmm. and it depends. It it kind of breaks down. Different judges do different things, fairly evenly in time. But that that's that's a big generalization. Yeah. It, well, that's I mean depends. that's what I'm it wondering. Depends. Well, I knew I knew Orleans Parish had criminal court, you know. Right. But 
and you run for a criminal court seat or a civil court seat. So correct. All right. Correct. right. So I'll tell you the reason, and I don't want to get into the specifics of these cases, but what spawned me to ask these questions of you was the the two murders: the murder of the cop and the murder of the the fifteen year old who, whose father turned him in, who shot somebody in a carjacking, and uh, the new DA who you know it's it's I'm sure. Uh, getting letters from the IRS as we speak, uh, he has said he is not going to try anybody under the age of 18 as an adult like Canizero used to do. And Canizero goes young as 14, depending on the severity of the crime. So if Canizero was still in office, this 15-year-old whose father turned him in, um, he would, he, Canizero would try him as an adult. The, I know the family wants to, uh, the family, the victim's family wants to. But he ain't going to do it because that's what he that's what he ran on. So and again, I don't need to get into the specifics of this case, but it's what spawned me to ask the question of you. What's a murder case like? Because outside of Perry Mason and Matlock and, of course, uh, what law and order or something. But I, I don't know nothing about no murder trials. I, what what yeah. what happens? What what's the procedures? OK, somebody's been charged and arrested, you know, and uh, and the D.A. is the one who actually makes the charges. Isn't that correct? Right. Okay. And murder cases, I'll just tell you, they, they are, they suck the life out of you. No pun intended. They are a lot harder to do. I'd rather do five burglaries than one murder. I mean, just because of the, the emotional toll that it'll do. And I've been on both sides as a prosecutor and a defendant. And they just, they just, it's very hard to do. They're very oh, hard. Imagine. Everybody involved. But what happens is uh, someone is uh, arrested for murder. Okay. Can you tell me when to stop? Will you well, wait, let me ask you this thing. All right. All right so uh, if, if somebody were to murder me, you know, mm -hmm. if they were to, I mean, if murdered during the commission of a felony, or if I just get killed, that's usually second. Murdering a police officer and certain other people is first. Right. If I think about it all day long, premeditated and all that stuff, and I go shoot Spud, that's second degree murder. Mm -hmm. The things that make it, because I didn't rob you, the things that make something a first degree murder, which puts you eligible for the death penalty is, and there's about seven or eight of them I'll try to give, if you shoot a cop, if you shoot more than one person, if you commit murder for hire, if you do it while doing a drive-by, that's the newest one. I, I tried the very first one of those ones in Louisiana, drive-by murder. Uh, then if you, if you do it when committing a specified offense, like if you do it during the commission of an armed robbery or a burglary, or rape or kidnapping, then it's first degree. Uh, missing a couple of them. If you shoot somebody over the age of 65, I believe. And under so the age of like 10 or 13. Or something. Yeah, 12, something like that. Yeah. yeah. So there's about six, seven reasons that turns a second degree murder into a first degree murder. But anybody that, can plot and plan. I mean, because again, we used to watch it, Perry Mason. If you plot and plan somebody's murder, that's premeditated and that. In California, I'm pretty sure that's that makes that first degree. It's yeah, and I don't know. We're gonna do. Everybody's got a different name for it, but here, that's first. That's second degree murder, and that is, it's penitent. You get a life in prison of, of life. Yeah, but you can't get death. Death is a separate whole thing, which we'll talk about if you want me to walk through the whole. Well, I want. I just want to start walking through the process, okay? And I mean, because yeah. I know, I know that. Uh, one of the reasons why they, the defense attorneys you read about, they want to keep postponing things because the farther away uh, the trial happens from the event, the more it becomes disassociated in people's mind. And I'll tell you why, too. I was thinking about this. It's like the family 
who's who's uh, the woman got carjacked. She drove away. The guy shot through the back window and killed her. You know, I I off I'm I, I'm trying to put myself in a position. I don't know these people. I I, I I said a rosary for her. Didn't know her from Adam, but I'm thinking I I understand why this the court system needs to be run by people with no interest, no personal uh, say so in this thing. Because if it had been my family member, I'd have gone after the guy with a tire iron. But it ain't. And I mean, for to judge the situation fairly, I have to be completely uh, disassociated from all of this stuff, you know. And the older the case gets, the harder it is to prosecute, as you said. And that's why, on another note, what Jason Williams did on Friday, saying we're going to cut everybody loose who hit those 10 out of 12 or, or, or retry them and mm-hmm. whatever he's going to do to them, those cases are, some of them are virtually impossible to retry because after 10, 15 years, cases, they get stale. Witnesses yeah. die, witnesses move away, cops, you know, you know, can't find them. So they get harder and harder to try the older they get. But they're also, I mean, at the time, that was the law. So you could be, yeah, not, not that I ever agreed with it, but the fact is you could be, you, you could be tried right. by a 10-2 and found guilty by a 10-2 split. Well, you we're know. talking about that tomorrow morning on Fox 8, but that's a whole other topic. We, we don't have to Yeah, I ain't getting it. I just want to know the, okay, so, so you're a lawyer, so you got to make depositions. You got to uh, investigate. I mean, the police investigate. The DA's office no investigates. No depositions in criminal cases, except in very rare. So you don't do depositions in criminal, just civil, basically. Not even but, against the witnesses against the uh, the no, defendant. No, you put them in court. That's why you have the the confrontation. Well, wait, wait, right wait! I'm supposed. I'm, I thought you were supposed to like never ask a question you don't know the answer to, and which is why they have depositions to begin with. In civil law, but in criminal law, there are other things, like I said, the right to confront your accuser, the right to compulsory process, which means you can force and subpoena them to come to court. Mm-hmm. I was telling you, ain't no, no, there's no depositions except in extremely rare circumstances in criminal court. And what would that be? Oh, I mean, if somebody's on their deathbed and everybody, you know, stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, I can't even, I can't even come up with one. That might not even be a good, a good example. But um, okay, no, no depositions uh, in criminal. All right, I got you. Okay, so let's keep going. So all right, so you get arrested, you get arrested, and the policeman writes up his police report. You go make, you, you have a bond hearing. If you're charged with first-degree murder in the state of Louisiana, you do not get a bond. There is no bond for first-degree. Mm-hmm. But you can get a bond for second-degree on down. So you make your bond or you don't make your bond. All right, so you're an arrested person. You haven't been charged. The district attorney does the charging. And in this case, for those for the cases that are the possibility of getting life or death, you go and you have to be charged in a bill of indictment, which means you have to go before a grand jury. You can't be filed by a bill of information, which is just a DA mm-hmm. filling out a form. You go in front of a grand jury, the DA presents it to a grand jury. If the appropriate amount of people, uh, if they decide to, to charge you, then you are charged with murder, first, second degree, whatever. Let's do first degree because it's easy, it's easy to peel down. Yeah. First degree murder. You're in custody. At that point in time, your lawyer says, I need discovery. And you file discovery motions. You have maybe what's known as a preliminary hearing, although if you go in front of a grand jury, you're not entitled to that. But but you have motions, and you can question the cops 
preliminarily before and for various different reasons. Motion to suppress the evidence, if you say it was a bad, bad identification, motion to suppress the ID, on and on. So you do all those things. But that's but those things are done in the interview of the police officer, the, the uh, defense attorney. And so that's, I mean, Before that to me is a deposition, isn't it? No, no, no. That's in, that's in court. That's in front of a judge. Oh, okay. Trying to get a judge okay. to find no probable cause or you're trying to get them to throw out, say it's a bad, a bad identification. So that person's identification of you can't be used at trial. So okay. those are pre-trial motions for various different reasons. And for whatever happens there, sometimes it, it, that'll be the end of it, but usually not. And you go, you get a trial, you get a trial. Date. Okay. Well, wait, before we go to trial, I got to step away for a second, but I want to ask a couple of the questions as soon as we get back to, we'll talk about trial, okay. picking it up. I'm talking to general response, the attorney, uh, multi-talented attorney, but right now we're talking about murder and walking us through a murder trial and the process that you go through. Uh, when we, when we do come back to, I also want to make sure, um, that we talk about discovery or the, the, the DA and the police turning over evidence and why do they get to decide what's good evidence and what's bad evidence. And I mean, as far as I'm concerned, they should just turn over everything they have to the defense and let it go from there. But I got to step away. Joe Respondi is my guest here on the Spudcast podcast, talking out my ass back right after this. Spud here. You know, the last couple of years, I got to be buddies with attorney Mike Brandner. The guy Gambit readers have voted the state's best lawyer two years running. Yeah, he, he's been on that super lawyers list longer than I can remember. But you don't make it number one on those lists because you have witty commercials. You make it because you treat your clients like they're number one. And that's what Mike Brander does. His clients are like his friends. He helps them through the tough times until he can get them a big check from the big insurance companies. So if you're in a wreck, get the big guy in your corner. Get Mike Brander. 345-1111. Do you know what it means to miss New Orleans? The next time you have to travel, take along a couple of pounds of Parish coffee, and you won't be missing New Orleans for long. Brewed right here in the land of coffee lovers, Parish coffee has the taste you're looking for. From dark roast to coffee and chicory to flavored coffees like Bananas Foster or Bourbon Pecan, French Vanilla or King Cake, or you name it, Parish coffee has a flavor just right for you. Look for the bright purple bag in the coffee aisle of your favorite market. Or order it online. Have it sent right to your door. What a perfect gift for any coffee aficionado. Sip the soul of New Orleans in every cup of Parish Coffee. Are you ready to launch? The American Space Alliance wants to accelerate and support space exploration for the benefit of all Americans. And not just for national pride. You know how many products are created by and for NASA that we use every day? Scratch-resistant lenses, dust busters, LASIK eye surgery, solar cells, firefighting equipment, LEDs, insulin pumps, the list just keeps on growing. And it needs to keep on growing because the next generation of space exploration has arrived and the American Space Alliance and NASA want you to be involved. You can follow ASA on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube. Go to exploreasa.org to find out more. Okay, we're back with Attorney Joe Responti, and he is explaining uh, murder trials and what you go through in the process is because uh, it ain't, it ain't really nothing like you see on Perry Mason, right? No, it isn't. And you, right before we left, you said about turning over materials and I'm glad you, you reminded me something very, very important in murder in any, in any trial, the district attorney has a continuing obligation to turn over to you what is known as material. And that's where the fight is material evidence, things that, that even if it's, a, a, but it's, turnover exculpatory evidence, meaning stuff that would help the defendant. And it's called Brady material. And 
there's been a lot of fights about that, but a, a DA has this obligation to say, hey, look, this is something we found out. It helps you, it hurts us, but we still got to turn it over to you. Well, Here the fact of the matter is the DA's job, I mean, the, the, the attorneys, everybody's an officer of the court as I do the little quotation things with my fingers. The DA's job is to incarcerate the guilty person. And if they that... discover evidence that that proves their innocence and don't turn it over, I mean, it might take 20 years, but the Innocence Project's going to come up and go, hey, man, y'all fibbed out on this dude. Yeah, you know, well, so you got the re- you got the real bad guy still walking well, around, and this guy's in the pokey. Well, we don't, we don't have enough time to go into all that, but that's right. They <laughs> have to turn that over, okay? And and so uh, let's assume that all those issues have been resolved, and we are here for a trial date. And the DA says, Judge, we are ready for trial, and we're we're attempting to do first degree murder. First degree murder means that you can get the death penalty. So when you're picking your jury, and it it has to be unanimous. As always. Those jurors for that has always had to be unanimous in Louisiana. Now they've changed the law. But anyway, so so that everything else is unanimous. Yeah. But now, when you start picking that jury, and in murder trials, it takes a lot longer than regular trials. And one of the main reasons is, on a first-degree murder, you have to do what's called Witherspoon the jury. And Witherspoon is named after a famous case that you have to ask the juror, Mrs. Mrs. Johnson, if we convict this guy, are you going to be able to give him the death penalty? Or do you have something in your soul or something when you were an altar boy or whatever that makes you not able to do it? And that's called Witherspoon. And what that does, a lot of times it, it helps the DA because he weeds out, as we used to say, the bleeding hearts. And he only gets the, the, hard, the, the, the heart. tough people yeah. who say, no, yeah, I can I can. I'm giving three death penalties, sure. And that's the ones that the DA wants. So once you've done that part of it, then you go through the rest part of the, of the selection of the jury. And, you know, you pick your jury, and everybody gets a certain amount of cuts. Each side gets <clears throat> 12 cuts. Um, it's called preemptory exceptions. That doesn't Excuse matter. Me. They can cut them out just because they want right. to. Right. Well, I, I, like, I don't like the way that person's dressed. I got bad vibes. Boom, you're out. But it better not be for racial reasons, otherwise. No, but because I, I had a, I had a first degree murder overturned because of that, uh, because they did it for racial reasons. So that's that's under the Batson case. But anyway, so once you pick your jury and you get twelve preemptory cuts, and there's also things called cuts for cause, which means this person can't do it because they know to defend them or some other reason. Yeah. Okay, so you get your you finally get your twelve jurors, two of two, three, four um, alternate jurors. You're ready to go to trial. Wait, how many people normally have to be called to the pool for you to weed it down to 12 and Ooh, four openings? Well, 500, you know, for, 200? No, 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 no. I mean, you can have different things. Like for big trials like that, they'll give you the list before and you'll go over things. So I'm saying murder trials are different than regular other kind of trials. Yeah. The pool's big, but then then just on the day of, you, you have like 60, 70 people that are, for the in that veneer is what it's mm-hmm. called because if you do the math 12 people four alternates 12 cuts for each side that's your 36 or 40 plus the cuts for cause they usually think 60 or so gets you where you got to get to mm-hmm. supposedly but those, there's exceptions so you get your jury seated and we're ready to go to trial the the government has the burden of proof so they go first 
they put on their witnesses, whoever it's going to be, they, they excuse me, but before they do it, you have opening arguments. The government has to give an opening argument. The defense can waive their opening argument and can give it at the end of the government's trial, the case in chief. Mm-hmm. So, and I've done that a few times, but so the government. So your opening argument was the, re, was rebuttal to their case. Before you put on your case. Okay. Yeah. So, All right. I got you. And you can get cute and there's kind of particular reasons because you got to see what the government's going to put on. It's a long, there's a lot of uh, tactics in there because, you know, you may not want to say something opening if the DA doesn't end up bringing it up. I got you. Okay. Say, for instance. So you you give, state gives their uh, opening, defense gives their opening, then it's the state's burden of proof. Put your case on Mr. DA. He calls all of his witnesses. A witness gets on the stand. The the government puts him on. The the DA asks him questions on the direct examination. Okay. You can't lead him. You can't ask leading questions. Then I get to cross it on the defense attorney on the cross-examination. I can do leading questions, which is, isn't it true, Mr. So-and-so, this and the other. And then the government can come back and do called redirect after I finish. Sometimes I can get to do recross. So that's each witness does that. Mm-hmm. The state the state finishes their case. So the, 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 the state rests, Judge. At that point in time, the defendant does not have to put on any witnesses. And he certainly does not have to take the stand himself. And the judge will tell the jury, if the defendant doesn't take the stand, you can't hold that against him. He's just exercising his Fifth Amendment rights. But let's say he chooses to go, and I've already given my opening statement before. Then mm-hmm. I, as a defense attorney, gets to put on put on witnesses. Sometimes I can call some of those other people that were already called. And I put on my witnesses. And then I rest. And then the government, since they have the burden of proof, get to do something which I hate as a defense attorney. They get to put on, if they want, rebuttal witnesses. And a lot of slick DAs will hold on putting these people on. They know they got them in their back pocket from the get-go and then they put them on and it kind of nails you in the end. Which is why I want to know, how come they don't have to reveal everything? You know? With their rebuttal witnesses and everything. They have to to reveal their case in chief, the witnesses they're going to call. But theoretically anyway, a rebuttal witness is, oh judge, based upon what the defense did, we found we had to come up with a rebuttal witness. They didn't, they don't have to disclose that because their argument is, we didn't know the defense was going to put that person on to say Yeah, I got you. So okay. it's a sneaky little deal. So they put, they put on their rebuttal witnesses if they have any. And then that's it. And that's it. Then we go to uh, closing arguments. And because the government has the burden of proof, the thing that I really hated once I switched from prosecution to defense is the state gets to go first and last. So the government puts on their closing argument. The defense puts on his his or her closing argument, and then the government comes back at the end and says, okay, let me give you the rebuttal to everything the defense attorney says. And then the case is over. The, the case the, is I, over. I'm with you on that one. I, I'm with you on that one. You should, If they get to rebut, you should get to rebut. Well, but, uh, but, I mean, your rebuttal would be strictly against exactly what they said. You wouldn't be able to introduce right. new well, stuff. Otherwise, you'd be rebutting back and forth for days. Well, that's all the fun. So then, okay, so now all the way, the evidence is in. So then usually, you know, you, there'll be physical evidence to the jury will get a chance to look, pass it around, look at the gun and the knife and the, the car and this and the other. And then the judge does what's called charging the jury. And he reads to the jury, you know, it's like a dozen pages. It takes about 45 minutes, whatever, 
all the things they're supposed to do. And he, you know, this is your duty as a jury. You're supposed to consider, you know, you're supposed to weigh the evidence. You're the final, you, you decide who's truthful, who can be trusted, who cannot be. And then, and then you give them what they call a jury, uh, the, the jury verdict form. And that's, you know, where they check off guilty, not guilty, and the, or guilty of a lesser charge. Like, we're not, he's not guilty of first degree, he's guilty of second degree. Or he's guilty of manslaughter. Or he's guilty of negligent homicide. Mm-hmm. Or he's not guilty. And there's different boxes. Okay. And, and then, they could poll the jury to make sure they all voted the well, same way. Well, that's at the end. So then yeah. the jury goes back in, and they deliberate. And they come back. And here's the big controversy. In the cases that were 10 out of 12, all they needed to do was have 10 out of 12. But now, for first degree, it's 12 out of 12. And the jury comes back. And if they're, they're going to be 12 out of 12 guilty, or 12 out of 12 not guilty. And if they can't decide, if they hung up 11 to 1 either way, or 10 to 2, or 9 to 3, that's called a hung jury. That is a mistrial. And we got to do it all over again. How often does that happen? <laughs> More often than you think. Now with this 12 out of 12, it's going to be even more often than you think, because, you know, instead of having just that one holdout or two holdouts where you could say, well, we don't need you to, uh, we, yeah. we, we got our 10 and we, we, we're moving on to get a unanimous verdict. All you need is one person who for whatever reason in the world does not want to vote with the other 11. Yeah. And that's a hung jury. And the show starts from the beginning again. All right. I'm out of time, but let me ask you this. Okay. So if somebody's been convicted of first degree, then they're, they're guilty. But then they have to have where they decide whether or not they're going to face the death penalty or, Bingo. or life Bingo. Exactly right. I left that off. And that's it. If, if he is found in, in a first degree murder case, you have what's called the penalty phase. And that's where that same jury comes back and the government says, you need to put this person to death. And defense gets up there and says, no, don't put my client to death. He's, a, you know, don't just let him yeah. have life imprisonment. And then, so that jury goes back and deliberates again, just on the issue of whether you're killing him or you're not going to kill him. And that's called the penalty phase. And those ain't fun either, but believe me. I imagine they ain't fun at all. I mean, I, this has been a very interesting conversation. I knew some of this stuff. I didn't know all this stuff. But again, I mean, when you when you hear and read stories about somebody who got out of jail after 20 years because somebody hid evidence, then you got to go again. You know what? If a DA needs to convict the guilty, I mean, just, just, just putting a notch in your gun belt about who you sent up the river ain't making the public safer. Putting away the person who did it is what makes the public. And look, I, I got no sympathy for somebody who commits these crimes. I don't know why they did it. Maybe they want to do all, you know, I don't know about motives. I don't know if that makes a difference. But the fact of the matter is, I want guilty people off the street. I want violent offenders off the street. You know, somebody who got popped for, you know, a half a bag of weed in the backseat of their Volkswagen shouldn't spend, you know, life in prison. But somebody who's got six or seven bails and he's a big time drug dealer and who knows what else he's done, bye-bye. But the fact is, you know, I'm, an, I'm I just... Uh, there's too much crime here. There's too many shootings here. There's too many across the United States. And I just have, I guess, I just wanted to have a better working knowledge of what's actually going on when these things go to trial. And for that, I appreciate you taking the time, Joe. All right, Spud. You know I love you. Yeah, baby. Uh, call me when you need me. I I'll will do that. Well, right, we'll, we'll talk We'll talk when, uh, when we get through a couple of more trials and see what happened then. So, All right. Okay, uh, man. 
Wrapping up the Spud Show right after this. Ready to wave bye-bye to this rotten year? Then get the greatest holiday gift of 2020, the iWave air purifier from Serentine Comfort Systems. This proven ion technology kills molds, allergens, bacteria, even viruses, including COVID-19. Serentine can install the iWave right in your existing AC unit. No UV bulbs, no filters, no maintenance, and all for about 25 bucks a month. Call your iWave dealer, Serentine Comfort Systems, at 504-833-8831. 504-833-8831. Hey, what you gonna do this weekend? You can't go dancing and go to the show because the Corona Cootie's back with a vengeance. Oh, I got an idea. Go fishing. Yeah, get yourself a licensed and insured guide on lasaltwater.com. They got a guide for everything and every place. Inshore fishing, offshore fishing, fly fishing, kayak fishing, bow fishing, you name it fishing. And at lasaltwater.com, there's pictures and videos galore from all the happy fishermen and women and kids and... Don't be the one that got away. Go to lasaltwater.com and book your charter today. Okay, so uh, Joe Responti. So I learned some stuff. I hope you did too. Uh, didn't learn enough, but how much can you learn in a 20-minute conversation? So we're going to have Joe back on to talk about a bunch of things because he's a trip uh, when I learned things about criminal law. Anyway, uh, thanks for joining me here. Tomorrow we're going to talk with Eric Scometta from the Public Service Commission. We're going to talk about the rolling blackouts and uh, Texas's grid versus ours and whether or not you should have a generator like I do. Uh, in the meantime, you can find this podcast on uh, Red Circle and Spotify and uh, Stitcher and on uh, Public Radio and Google Play. And you can also find it on my Facebook pages, Spud's Friends and Fans, John McConnell and The Big Teasy. And you can find us on Twitter at SpudGotDat. If you want to be a sponsor or if you want to get on a list, a growing list of uh, emails where I send the podcast directly to you, contact me at thespudcastpodcast at gmail.com the spudcastpodcast at gmail.com. Y'all be safe. See you tomorrow with Eric Scramata, but I'm a gone pecan.